0: Today's Purple Elephant, Food for Thought, is a little bit of a longer quote from the book Does It Matter? by Alan Watts. And keep in mind, this was written in the 1960s, but I think it, the idea still applies. It goes, Not long ago, Congress voted, with much patriotic rhetoric, for the imposition of severe penalties upon anyone presuming to burn the flag of the United States. Yet the very congressman who passed the law responsible, by act of commission or omission, for burning, polluting, and plundering the territory that the flag is supposed to represent. Therein, they exemplify the peculiar and perhaps fatal fallacy of civilization, the confusion of symbol with reality. Welcome to Purple Elephant Radio, where we discuss the mindsets, philosophies, and strategies needed to make art and tell stories that make a dent in this era of abundance. This is a show for the unbound creative, the undefinable artist, and the unidentified philosophers. I'm your host, Sean Green. Now, I'm so glad I found that little blurb in the Alan Watts book because the script for this was actually written before I found that. But it relates perfectly because this episode is about confusing symbol with reality. Specifically, looking at how the common school system is completely opposite to how the real world works. School is often more concerned with test scores and certifications than it is with skill and growth. I don't think that's anyone's fault. I think it's just what happens when you try to create education for everyone and make it all the same. There's no personalization to it, then unfortunately, we begin to confuse the symbol of learning with the reality of learning, which equates to adapting to changes in the environment. Now, I have recorded the rest of this episode, and I'll tell you, I don't really mention school at all after this, but I just want to contextualize that quote to explain why school and life are opposites and and how it relates to the symbols and reality. But I'm talking more in the sense of risk, risk risk-taking, and failure. Now, I heard an idea, and this is the idea that kind of sparked this episode, and I can't remember exactly where I heard it, But the idea is simply this, in any self-starting enterprise, we need only one success after 100 tries. In school, one success after 100 tries would get you kicked out. In school, risk and failure are treated like the plague. Until we look at this belief in ourselves, we will live the rest of our life with this utterly untrue way of viewing the world. I don't like using the term brainwash, but I think in this case, we have a falsely instilled belief about failure and risk. And hopefully this episode, the goal of this episode is to convince you to A, look at that belief in yourself, see if you can get to the bottom of it, where it came from, and B, to give you some strategies to find a new belief, to, to take on more risk, to accept more failure, to learn from it rather than fear it. Now, I love this idea. As a person who has been rejected from every film festival I applied to so far, I love this idea. As a person who has not got the following I've wanted after the time I've spent on Purple Elephant, I love this idea. As a person whose hype has faded from my family and peers so that I'm no longer inflated with attention, I love this idea. We only need one success after 100 tries, not 99 where we can allow one failure to slip in. We, the creators and self-starters of anything, only need to win once before we can move on to the quote unquote next level. And now this can look different for different people in different mediums. If you are writing a book or a script then maybe that one win out of a hundred looks like being rejected by 99 publishers or or studios before someone takes you on. If you're a digital visual artist, then that one win out of a hundred may be the post that catches the attention of someone with a, a large following who gives you that shout out and sends a herd of eyeballs to your account. If you're a musician, it may be getting on that popular playlist. If you're a filmmaker, it may be the video that goes viral or the, the festival that gives you your first screen time. But here are the questions that will guide the rest of this episode. Can we speed up that process? Can we adapt and learn from every failure, I say that with air quotes, to heighten the likelihood of a win? Can we increase our ratio of wins to failures? And most importantly, How do we withstand and embrace those 99 failures before our first win? So I've done my brainstorming homework and have come up with five strategies that I think touch on all these questions and will give you that mindset that you need to embrace your creative flops and adapt to what's working. And I'll preface by saying that these strategies apply mostly to people who are interacting with their audience directly. This is less about selling yourself to the publishing houses and movie studios, but I think That if you focus on these direct to audience strategies first, then that will become the leverage you need when you send your work to those gatekeepers. Strategy number one, answer this question. What is the value, AKA who's it for and what's it for? For whatever you're sharing, whether it's art, education, humor, any other type of of content, what is the value? Now for myself, and I know this is going to be different from a lot of people who listen to this because I think I lean more towards the, the education, the, the lessons to be learned rather than pure entertainment, but Purple Elephant Radio is for creative people. In case you didn't know, maybe uh, <laughs> look at the thumbnail one more time. But what's it for? It's to simplify complex topics, it's to convert interesting concepts into something usable and applicable to the creative and to help you find a balance between self-expression and providing value to your audience. I know I just spit that off, but keep in mind this script took me a few hours to write before I'm actually reading it now. And it was not an easy thing for me to figure out. And it's probably going to change, maybe even by the time this episode gets posted. But my point is that something is needed, even if it's not perfect. Fill in the blank. My art, my film, my song, my podcast is for blank in order to give them, to inspire them, to make them, to allow them to experience blank. This applies to content creators, but I'm beginning to believe that even purely self-expressive artists need this blunt clarity too. Maybe you want to give your audience a new way to see the world, to elicit an emotion, to give them a set of tools to use in their own life. But you have to clarify what, even if it's just for you. I mean, obviously I'm explaining this to you now because I'm trying to get the, the concept for you to use it, but you don't have to tell your audience what you're, who's it for and what's it for. And quickly as, as a way to figure out who it's for, I recommend figuring out what aspect of yourself is being presented and what you make. For me, it's, it's my inner philosopher. It's my inner creative being able to take ideas I've learned about and and convert them, adapt them to a, a new audience. But that is number one. What is the value? Ask yourself for every single thing you make, not just for the whole brand, but for each individual project, for every podcast episode, for every film. It's not, okay, what does Purple Elephant Films mean? It's, no, what does this next one mean? Number two, be a student and a teacher. So right now we're living in this weird middle ground of technology where we're in the infancy of sharing our viewpoints for free. Not only free, but some of us are trying to get paid for it. And with that, it's the digital natives like myself. You know, I'm, I'm 21 at the, the time of recording this. It's people in my age group who understand the tech for the most part, but I think lack quality viewpoints. And that makes up a good chunk of the people trying to break into what's been established. Guess what? It's really fucking easy for Conan to start a podcast because he's established himself somewhere else. When Will Smith starts a YouTube channel, people are going to fucking watch because they know who he is. Almost no digital natives have that luxury. you know. Unless you were a, a child super actor, not many people will. And to be clear, being famous does not make your opinions of a higher caliber, but I'm making the point that they have leverage going in to the content creation game. For those of us without the money or audience to grow quickly on a new platform, we must develop and refine our viewpoints. A viewpoint can be as simple as which team you think will win the Super Bowl, or as complex as you know, how we're gonna solve the debt crisis. But how do we develop our viewpoint? I think it's by being the active student and the curious teacher. The active student. She learns about what she is actively interested in rather than what seems popular. She seeks top of the field knowledge and does not rule out any medium for learning. Read a book. While she's learning the facts and top of the field insights, she's thinking about her own opinions on the topic. In the midst of being a student, she simplifies and converts her knowledge into a shareable form and becomes the curious teacher. The curious teacher has domain knowledge on the topic they're speaking on, but they don't claim to be the expert. They're constantly learning, constantly seeking out what they do not know. The curious teacher sees learning as an experience. The facts and insights they're sharing are the meat and potatoes of the meal, but it's their embellishments through their tone of voice, the music that plays under them, their ability to use interesting metaphors. It's all that that makes the meal memorable. Be both, the student and the teacher. Number three is three simple concepts that I want you to remember. These concepts are the law of averages, the long tail, and the power law. These are reminders, not actionable things. The law of averages. If you do something often enough, a ratio will appear. Anyone can make up in numbers what they lack in skill. Now that's a direct quote from Jim Rohn, which I've memorized because it's so fucking true. True whether you're a salesperson or a person making content. Guess what? Not every podcast episode I make is going to have better numbers than the last. Some will flop. In any medium you create in, there is bound to be some regression, some lack of audience reception for certain pieces, and that is relatively unpredictable. But looking at it from the long term, you can see that a ratio does appear. Maybe one out of five podcasts does really well for me. Maybe for you, it's every third post on Instagram. And obviously there's some stuff you can analyze on how, why did this one do better, but a ratio will appear if you do something often enough. The long tail. This concept comes from a book of the same title. And all it means is that if you're making content regularly, you will have a handful of outliers that are very popular. And that is called the short head you wanna think of it like a, a chart, your top ranking for me, like my top ranking podcasts in terms of listens are dramatically better than say the 10th best podcast. So it's similar to law of averages, but here's where it differs. The long tail is important. Those videos that don't go viral, those songs, those posts, those podcasts, they're important. Your audience will be attracted to you as a brand by finding you through the short head, through your most popular content, but they will stay for the long tail. Think about it. Have you ever found a musician and listened to their top five chart on Spotify or Apple and thought, damn, they're pretty good. And then you sift through their whole catalog of songs because you were sold by their popular stuff. I'm willing to put hundred dollars to say that anyone who pays to stream music has had that experience and it applies to any other medium as well. Not everything you make has to go viral. It all goes to good use. And finally, the power law, which takes the long tail concept and expands on it a little bit more in two ways, on an individual level and a group level, AKA the niche that you're trying to break into. When you're looking at it from an individual basis with your own personal catalog of content, the power law is just meant to remind you to diversify your short-term content. And all it takes is an equal amount of effort per iteration. It's not like this podcast now takes five more hours than the podcasts of last season. By using roughly the same amount of effort, but changing the, the style, the topics in little ways, the power law says that one will inevitably shoot above the rest. Over time, people will choose what has been popular in the past because of social proof. You're more likely to click on the number one or number two song on someone's music catalog than you are to jump into a random album and click a random song when you are first hearing about them. It is social proof, seeing that other people have listened to it, other people have liked it, that means there must be something to this. Or instead of looking at just your body of work, it looks at all the work in a certain genre, all the podcasts that are about creativity and and self-help, because that's kind of my area that I would consider this podcast to be in. You know, creative pep talk is probably top dog right now, and I don't really look at many others, but but the power law puts a rough ratio. If you want to think about this mathematically, if you're looking at ranking of popularity of all the brands in a genre, you can look at it is one over X, meaning that the second ranking brand will be half as popular as the first, one over two. The third ranking brand will be one-third as popular, the fourth, one-fourth as popular, and so on to infinity. So now you can probably visualize that what that smooth curve would look like. And so, what does that mean? First of all, you should know what genre you're in and know the top five, because if you don't, you need to find them and, and see what they're doing right. Can you reverse engineer any of their strategy do they post twice a week do they post every day asking yourself these questions to try to reverse engineer their strategy well it leads nicely into number four ethically leverage people who've already made it i say ethically because of the obvious i don't mean using clickbait to make it seem like they give you a shout out or testimonial I don't mean posting their work on your account without permission or credit. I don't mean pretending to like them just to get their attention in hopes of a shout out. What I mean is, if it's applicable, share their work, be a vocal fan, show off your sense of taste. For this podcast, I'm not necessarily a vocal fan of some of the people I mentioned, but I sure as hell give them credit when I share one of their ideas with you. Now this idea of almost being a spokesperson for the top dogs in a certain genre, really useful for the people I hope I'm speaking to is, you know, the digital natives. We're young and want to be content creators and don't have that established audience. Sometimes when we're young and still finding our voice as an artist and storyteller, it's our curative ability that's our greatest asset when making content. And that can be the thing that helps us grow our audience at the start. I will link a short talk from Ira Glass in the description because I think it explains this idea of you know, having good taste, but not necessarily having the skills, at the start as an artist or creative. But I think what's not in that video, which recommend that you watch it, is that your good taste can be a method of making content. There's a niche on YouTube called BookTube, where people become very popular just talking about books they've read, read, not wrote, not created. Now, if they get popular that way, by showing off their good taste, their good insights, their opinions that people appreciate. I'm willing to bet that some of that audience would be curious enough to buy the novel that creator has been working on, to see the the clothing, the projects, the things that creator is actually making. You pique the audience's interest. So the long and the short of that is be a curator at the start. Show off your insightful opinions. And finally, strategy number five, and this is designed to handle the long period of flops and failures before a win, is that it becomes a story. Failure is a story. Disillusionment is the start of most heroes' journeys, and failure often triggers that feeling. Guess what? It feels shitty to get rejected, denied, told you're not as good as you thought you were, ignored, that's the worst of it, but it forces you to get better at your craft. And those emotions can become the basis for your next great story or art project. And as a quick tangent, I think For the suburban-born with the average childhood, which I put myself in that box, for those of us like that, I think the massive hindrance to our stories is that they lack depth and meaning. this topic I know will get a full episode because it's one I've wrestled with for a while, but as a quick tip, if you take on risk and put yourself on the hook, all those flops and failures which are guaranteed, they can become the basis of a story. A story with emotional depth because you know the emotion truly and intimately. And again that will get a longer episode i promise so by seeing our past present and future flops through the lens of artistic opportunity i think it will give us the motivation to share our work and risk that flop because even failure has an upside we can see the opportunity in failure from a artistic storyteller point of view so those are the five and i know it's pretty clear i i diverged from what the initial intro of this was about about you know, school and and life being opposites. But these five strategies are to help you weather the storm of creative flops so that you can learn and expand while you're in that beginner phase. If it's not clear, I use all of these five in some way all the time. This is not about how to boost your influence. That happens naturally as you clarify your message and optimize your marketing. This is about how do you frame your thinking while you're still waiting for the success you want. I hope one of these five will be the thing that picks you up after a hard rejection. I hope it will be the thing that helps push you through and get the following, the, the influence that you're after. Thank you for listening. This has been Purple Elephant Radio. Please, please subscribe if you enjoyed this and give it a rating wherever you listen to the show. I do not take for granted anyone who spends their time listening to this, so truly, thank you.